You're listening to The Conservative Conscience. In Washington, politicians are full of half-truths and hot air. The Conservative Conscience is here to help you cut through the rhetoric and noise and explore the politically right way to think about the issues. You'll dive into one of the most insightful conservative minds in America, Conservative Review Senior Editor Daniel Horowitz. Using pure common sense and ignoring the groupthink, Daniel breaks down the major issues in Washington. You are now entering the Conservative Conscience. And welcome back to the Conservative Conscience. This is your host, Daniel Horowitz, here on Westwood One Podcast Network at Conservative Review and CRTV. And yes, indeed, I am the last man standing who does not succumb to groupthink. The last man standing on so many issues. You know, I took a break yesterday. Today is Tuesday morning. Starting my week late. You guys started earlier. But I I, I took a long weekend. I, I literally did not do any work over the entire weekend and Monday until Monday night. And I already need a vacation. <laughs> I'm, I'm kind of like the, the the groundhog, you know, Phil, that comes out. Patuxent Phil comes out every groundhog day, sees my shadow, goes back in. <laughs> I, I need another vacation. I'm away for a day. I come back night. And I find that today, the House of Representatives, with the support of almost every conservative is voting for a Willie Horton, El Chapo jailbreak bill. They call it the First Step Act, very appropriately, because this is just the first step in dismantling the Reagan agenda of tough on crime and promoting jailbreak. And as you well know, you were the first to hear about this bill, and you'll still be the only ones to hear about this bill. No one's going to talk about it today. And I'm not saying there's not a lot of important stuff going on with the Inspector General report, what's going on at the FBI, with the Mueller probe. I'm not discounting that. But the irony is, the problems with that are rooted in the same problems here. That Congress, including the Freedom Caucus, including the conservatives, are so weak that not only in a given week or month when the left is setting 50 issues on fire, do they are they ineffective on 49 of the 50 issues, but on half of them, they're downright scoring points for the other side. You know, one of the most important episodes recently, I would say one of the most foundational ones for those of you who are new, and I know we have a lot of new listeners, thankfully, is last week, I'm trying to get, see which episode that was. <clears throat> it was episode 225, 225, Newton's Laws of Political Motion, where I compare the direction of politics, why certain movements and certain issues and policies succeed to Newton's laws of motions is three laws and and show how when you look at the enormity of what the left has built, what Soros has built and has co-opted the Koch brothers and all these people on the right to promote their most consequential, dangerous agenda, you need an equal and opposing force applied externally just to, to change the inertia of where that's headed. And yet, not only only don't we have equal and opposing force, not only don't we have any force, we downright have our biggest champions promoting the other side, walking the ball in the end zone for the other side on this jailbreak. This is a bill. So here's the problem. Late last night, I came back online. I saw these guys were promoting the jailbreak bill. They're going to vote on it today. And I started sending, sending off texts to different members, and I called one very prominent conservative. 
friend of mine, good guy. And it was very evident he never read the bill, like no one read the bill. It's very evident he doesn't understand the broad criminal justice issue. Most of our people are green on it if they hadn't if they didn't dealt, deal with it in the early 90s. They just don't they don't remember why we have these things. They don't remember the consequences. And what's happening here is that jailbreak Jared because his stupid crook Democrat father serves some time in a joint, we all have to suffer from his chip on his shoulder to push this jailbreak legislation. And he's telling everyone it's prison reform. Oh, it's 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 recidivism, anti-recidivism programs. They just engage in some you know job training and uh, religious programs, and uh, it's it's really good. It saves money, and it's prison reform. It's almost like improving prison conditions. So you know, Trump of course doesn't read the bill, but I'm saying the Freedom Caucus didn't read it either, or similar type of members. None of them understand it, and they think this is a bill dealing with, I don't know, like let's say there's an epidemic of uh, lousy food uh, in, in the prisons and, and uh, you know bed bugs in the mattresses. This is a bill to get new food and mattresses in prisons. No, 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 no. <laughs> this is a bill that when you take together all of the retroactive provisions, early time credits and all these programs, well, what do you mean, Daniel? They have to, they have to. Yeah, joining a faith-based initiative. <laughs> um, someone sentenced to 10 years could get out in five years and seven months if they're higher risk, five years if they're lower risk, and that's all determined by whoever is in charge of the Justice Department at that given time, which I got news for you. It's not going to be Jeff Sessions forever. It's not even going to be a Republican forever. And someone who served five years will be able to get out in two years and two months. So, you know, this guy kept telling me, no, Daniel, I agree with you. I oppose these sentencing bills, you know, the Lee Durbin bill, which is news to me because I never heard them when it was time to fight that. I never heard them helping me fight it. But, okay, now just to distract, they said, well, this is not that. I said, you you understand this is a sentencing bill. They don't do it directly um, prospectively with statute. They do it at the back end. And he had no, and it was basically like, look, Daniel, I, I've, I've opposed, you know, I, I blew up the farm bill, and you know, there, there's a limit to what we can do. I, you know, I, I can't. I'm gonna get yelled at today. I was like, okay, so I guess this is why we have a conservative movement. Um, you know, that when Republicans are in control with all three branches, we'll only pass 17 bad bills and not 19 bad bills. You know, why are we doing this at all? You know, I'm going to get into the weeds a little bit here on crime, but even if you're not so into the crime issue, this is emblematic. The, the lessons I'm learning dealing with even some of my friends, they're, they're, they're such teachable moments as to why we are where we are and why we're going to continue to be where we are. We're only getting the liabilities of the conservative organizations, but not the things that they supposedly agree with us. We're getting the stinger, but not the honey. Somehow, see, every organization, every member, they have their weak spots. Whether it's immigration on one guy, this guy will be on the farm bill, this guy will be on this subsidy. No one's ever with us. And likewise, we never have a Democrat or Democrat organizations that happen to be promoting a conservative cause on one front. Every issue, we lose people in the movement. 
this issue, we've lost everyone. But somehow, those same groups are never with me when I'm fighting other issues. So what's interesting is this. This bill passed the House Judiciary Committee. You know I warned about it two weeks ago. It passed committee two weeks ago. Today it's being slammed on the floor. Why is it that the House Judiciary Committee has passed a lot of good public safety bills? They passed what you know is the Davis-Oliver Interior Enforcement Bill that, among other things, clamps down on sanctuary cities, mandates expedited deportation for a lot of people, deals with criminal aliens, explicitly deputizes states to work with federal immigration officials, has asylum reform. They passed that as well. These are the top priorities the president is saying he wants to get done. And indeed, they really are the top priorities, as many of you have heard from the last couple of months when we talked about that this is not just the nexus of crime, but of the MS-13, of um, the drug crisis, and even Hezbollah in Latin America. But nothing. Davis Oliver passed in two successive sessions of Congress three years ago. The asylum reform bill passed a year ago will not see the light of day on the floor. Why isn't Trump pushing this? Meaning, look, if we're going gangbusters on immigration, gangbusters on public safety, or, you know, along with leniencies, having more stringent laws on fentanyl and heroin dealers, all right, I disagree with this, but okay, so we we swallow it, you know, you pass one, one bad bill. But what I said to this member last night is, in return for doing this, what are you getting? What is Trump getting? Why isn't Trump pushing this? The one bill he pushes is the one bill that violates every single principle he ever held dear. Let me tell you something. You guys know it's no secret I supported Ted Cruz in the primary. But one thing, I always agreed with Trump, and I took solace in this when Trump won the primary. I was like, wow, at least jailbreak is done. His entire life, he spoke out against soft on crime. No political correctness. He was always great on that issue. Even whenever everyone else went south on us. And even the Coke Soros axis, they were like, holy smokes, we're done. I mean, it it was no, like, jailbreak is done. And now, something that couldn't get passed when Obama was president is going to get passed and signed into law with Trump as president. Let me read to you what Trump has said about this issue. You know, in 2000, he wrote a book, The America We Deserve. Now, I don't know if this is one of the books he uh, was completely ghostwritten. Did he write some of it? I mean, it, it certainly sounds like his voice on these provisions. Quote, the rest of us need to rethink prisons and punishment. The next time you hear someone saying that there are too many people in prison, ask them how many thugs they're willing to relocate to their neighborhood. The answer is none. And by the way, this bill takes people often a third of the way, a third of their sentence, lops off a third of their sentence, and they serve in these um, home confinement, halfway houses in neighborhoods under very tenuous conditions. They're able to go if they have important activities related to seeking jobs. They're able to um, leave their home confinement. Okay? But Trump has no clue what's in this bill. Um, let's see what else we got here. Another quote from Trump. 
unless we stand up for tough anti-crime policies, they will be replaced by policies that emphasize criminals' rights over those of ordinary citizens. He He perfectly illustrated the problem with the swamp mentality by noting, quote, soft criminal sentences are based on the proposition that criminals are the victim of society and that people in high places really do believe that criminals are victims. More quotes. Tough crime policies are the most important form of national defense. Government's number one job is to ensure domestic tranquility, tranquility, and that means tranquilizing the criminal elements as much as possible. Aggressive anti-crime policies are the best social program because they allow citizens in all neighborhoods, especially the tougher ones, to live and work in a safe environment. They also protect children from the predatory mob that brutalizes them at every turn. And Trump promised in his acceptance speech at the DN- at the RNC, that's <laughs> what I was to say, the DNC, but it's the same thing, quote, I have a message for all of you. The crime and violence that today afflicts America will soon, and I mean very soon, come to an end. Yet this very president, thanks to jailbreak Jared and his stupid director of legislative affairs, Mark Short, who worked for the Koch brothers, big libertarian, open borders guy, is now promoting something that the left couldn't pass under Obama. And it, through the prism of this, you see how the, the, the issue for which Trump is the most emphatic about, we're downright passing. Somehow, the left always succeeds in co-opting our people. Somehow, their ignorance always works against us. Somehow, their ignorance always results in a bad bill passing, never in a good bill passing. You know, no priority from Trump to say, you must pass Louis Gohmert's bill. I'm still waiting for the tweet. If you're Donald Trump, what's the number one impediment in your first year in office? The courts, particularly on immigration, travel ban, DACA, asylum, criminal alien deportations, you name it. I didn't even have time to write about this, but the courts left and right more and more every day are literally blocking deportations. They're literally saying you can't deport people. It's unbelievable. So Louis Gohmert has a bill. What is this? H.R. 5648. 5648. Deluge the White House with, with calls and letters. Why isn't Trump supporting this? Why isn't he pushing out bills? Tom Cotton has a bill to uh, promote, to, to, to raise the sentencing or um, <clears throat> increase sentencing for fentanyl dealers. No. Steve King just introduced a bill today mandating five years in jail time for local officials, officials who thwart immigration law. Why isn't Trump tweeting about this? You know, Trump's, Rescissions bill, you know, his $15 billion in spending cuts. They're not voting on it. They're pushing it off. And the Senate's never going to vote on it. Where's the vote on that? Nothing. The one thing that they're going to get past now is the thing that Trump was most emphatically against his entire career. Now, you're going to tell me, well, Daniel, come on. He doesn't read bills. He doesn't know any of this. He doesn't know where these bills are. That is why I pin the blame on Mark Short. You know, many of you have noticed that to the extent Trump has had problems, his worst problems are when it comes to the legislative agenda. Things that he does unilaterally, foreign policy, he's doing a lot of good things on. 
But his biggest weakness is he's not just not getting his priorities through Congress. He's downright being a useful idiot, signing and promoting bad stuff. We saw this with the budget bills. We saw this with the health care bills that are against his principles without even securing at least an agreement that if I'll sign your bills, you pass my bills first. This is all Mark Short. He is the director of legislative affairs. He is a Coke guy. The Cokes are a cancer on the conservative movement. And I'll tell you why. This is what I mean by saying that we only incur the liabilities of these people but never benefit from where they're supposedly with us on issues. Never. Let me give you a bunch of examples and tie this in to what's going on here. So, you know, the, the, the libertarians, so the Koch brothers, these people, they, they love drugs. Okay, uh, decriminalize the incarceration, let all the drug traffickers out of prison. Oh, what's this war on drugs? Okay, fine. So then you'd be like, okay, then at least let's benefit from the libertarian mindset on the broader issue. Okay, what's the libertarian position? Sink or swim. So then if you're going to drink poison, you have the right to do it. You have the right to sell the poison. But we're not dealing with you as a society. We'll just come around the next day, pick up the garbage trucks, and uh, bury you. But no. Where the hell are the Koch brothers joining me in the fight to properly identify and not misdiagnose the drug crisis, the so-called opioid crisis? I'm not seeing them on the playing field with me. I'm the last man standing on that. You would think the libertarians would join with me. I'd benefit from their prowess, their indefatigable juggernaut that you're seeing that they could just instantly get jailbreak passed. You'd think they'd be all over the place fighting these billions of wasteful programs, billions of dollars in wasteful programs on drug treatment and all the anti-free market Restrictions on doctors' prescriptions and manufacturing of OxyContin when the entirety of this crisis is illicit drugs. Now, I know you know the Cokes aren't going to agree with me on the illicit part of it, but that's fine. Where, why aren't they with me on healthcare and spending as it relates to drugs? No. Somehow, they're not there with me. Somehow, I'm left alone. You know why? Because they're cowards. They're not going to you know, consistently push their stuff. They're only going to push the stuff that aligns and coincides with the swamp and the system and Soros. So it's a lot easier to convince yourself something's libertarian or conservative that the left is doing because, well, you'll win because the left is doing it. That's where all the power is. Now let me talk about the so-called social conservative and uh, pro-family organizations. You know, one of the interesting things about what I do for a living, as you know, is that I cover almost every issue I can. There's almost nobody in this business who covers the full of array of fiscal, economic, social, civilization, national security issues. I mean, you see the stuff we do in, in, in a matter of one week. I could be on the drug crisis. I could be on Hezbollah in Latin America, Afghanistan, farm bill, ag programs, You know, this on immigration, this on crime. You name it, I'm on it to the extent I could humanly – you know, possibly get to issues. There's a lot of issues I don't have time to, to address. The courts, you name it, I'm on it. 
giving a vision for what free market healthcare looks like. You know, I've had friends tell me, Daniel, you know, you're so busy. Maybe, you know, you should narrow your purview and maybe try to just get a little deeper in a few issues rather than cover so many issues. And I thought about that a lot. And it's, you know, it's something I might consider. But, you know, one of the advantages of what I do is you see the full array of politics and you get to juxtapose different things. And that's where I want to talk to you about these social conservative groups. When I spoke to this very prominent, very, very prominent conservative member last night, so I kept throwing at him the provisions of the bill, and he wouldn't respond to me with the provisions because he didn't read it, but he's like, all the family groups are supporting it. What about FRC, Family Research Council? And I said to him, he's like, all the Christian organizations are supporting I said, like, I hate to tell you, all the Christian organizations you know, it's not just, I mean, it's all the, it's Protestant, Catholic, Jewish, or I mean, the same organizations, they're, they're support, they support open borders too. I mean, the Southern Baptist Convention's political arm has forever been lobbying for that. They support Muslim refugees. So, you know, like, you understand that. And that was his big thing. He's like, no one opposed it. I said, that's exactly the problem. You're right. The entire swamp and system is supporting jailbreak, and this is a big problem. You got to wake up. We're at a point where basically jailbreak has as intense of a movement behind it as open borders, except you don't have the counter movement like we have with open borders led by Trump's ascendancy over the last couple of years. You don't have that on jailbreak. Me and Mark Levin are the last men standing. And I guess you could say Tom Cotton. That was another thing. He was, he was like, well, I'll vote for it, but hopefully Tom Cotton will stop it in the Senate. Gee, okay, I guess that, that, that's what it is now. You know, conservatives will take bad votes because, well, maybe some of the senators will stop it. I'm too scared. I'm too scared. Everyone supports this. I guess that's why we elected you. But a thought popped in my mind, and I was like really pissed because I said, wait a minute. I'm not just a law and order guy. I focus on fiscal issues, social issues. And I said to myself, why is it? That when it comes to the social issues, judicial reform, the courts, every day I talk about it, how they're taking God out of the public square. You don't even see this. There's cases I don't even have time to talk about. The religious liberty problems, the homosexual agenda problems, obviously with abortion. And I, I cannot find a single social conservative group, including Family Research Council, supporting judicial reform. Three years after Obergefell. Not a single bill has passed committee, much less the House floor, dealing with Obergefell, a response to it, either judicial reform, religious liberty bills, nothing. They're not, they're nowhere to be seen, these social conservative groups. <clears throat> Somehow, when it comes to liberation theology, and by the way, if you haven't read my piece from Friday on the moral divide in this country is reaching a, tip, tipping, a tipping point, reaching a crisis point. Now, when I say moral divide, I don't mean between right groups and left groups. I mean between up and down, not right and left. Between most of the people, even Democrats, and most of the people in the political sphere, even so-called conservatives. This, like, being pro-Muslim refugee, pro-open borders, oh, the, the prisoners were too mean to them. See, that's what's happened with these so-called social conservative groups. Again, it's a lot easier to beat him, to, to join him when he can't beat him. They don't want to fight the homosexual agenda, homofascism. No, they're scared of that. 
They're done with that. They're on to AIDS in Africa, Muslim refugees, open borders, and being nice to prisoners. Now, open borders for some of these groups has become too toxic because of the counter-movement and Trump and everything. So they've instead planted their flag with criminal justice reform. It's now a religious issue. And I was saying to myself, where the hell are these organizations? This week, the House is voting on the National Defense Authorization Act. We have courts mandating transgenderism in the military. We have a crisis of Christian chaplains in the military being forced to promote the homosexual agenda and officiate their ceremonies. Steve King, who, by the way, might be the only guy voting against this um, this uh, jailbreak bill, he has a number of amendments dealing with the aforementioned issues. Transgenderism, military, the chaplains. And I spoke to his office today, and, and they agreed with my assessment. I said, are they key voting? Are they pushing rules committee to, to call for a vote on the floor to your amendments? No! They're nowhere to be seen. They suck! We're getting the stinger, but not the honey. You know, again, it's like they're going gangbusters on the homosexual agenda, but yeah, they're so compassionate and religious that they also want to have all the prisoners, okay, maybe I could swallow it. But this is all we're getting from these groups. Again, why? Because they're a bunch of cowards. Because Soros is supporting this. The left is supporting it. It's cool to support it. Everyone in the political swamp is supporting it. So it's a lot easier. See, let's say you're losing. My whole thing is to be the Jeremiah and convince people like, dude, we're losing. Not to depress people to say like, you know, you first have to identify that you're losing before you have a strategy to win. And I also, I give strategies to win. Instead, but that, that that takes a lot of work. It takes a lot of guts. You have to stand up to your own donors. You have to stand up to the political system. You have to stand up to political correctness. You actually have to have a little bit of intellect and understand policy and the issues. It's a lot easier just to lie to yourself and say, you're winning. No, this is really conservative. Or this is really libertarian. And this is awesome. It's not just on this. That's what I'm telling you. We're incurring all the lie. You know, I, I, I like using this analogy because I, I'm not good at math, but this is one of the things I do know. We're getting the lowest common denominator of everyone's weakness in the so-called movement rather than the greatest common factor. You know, what Reagan's original coalition was, yeah, social, fiscal, national security. So, you know, each one might not be in the other issues, but you get all of them. Now we're getting none of them because we get everyone's weakness. This guy's good on law and order, but he sucks on fiscal issues. This guy is good on fiscal issues, but he's for the Coke agenda, open borders, and decivilization agenda. We get everyone's problems. But that's the thing. See, I'm not a one-trick pony. You know, you can't accuse me. Daniel, all you care about is like being tough on criminals and illegal aliens. Uh, I did a whole analysis on the farm bill. I'm pushing judicial reform. I'm the only one giving a coherent vision on free market healthcare. I'm saying no libertarian could could accuse me of only being like a, a right wing social con fascist uh you know law and order type of guy. You know, I'm as libertarian on the fiscal issues as they get. And yet I don't see anyone with me on those issues. Cause again, now some of them, you know, some of the think tanks they fund, they'll put out information on this. They're not gonna fight for it the way they're fighting for jailbreak. 
Somehow it's always the issue that they're not with us that they wind up being effective. Where's their effectiveness when it comes to the issues they so-called are on our side? I'm not seeing it. I'm just telling you guys, I am so ticked off. So, so ticked off. This this problem is so much bigger than us. And and this is what I tried to tell this guy. You know, I've pitched my contract with America to them. I've pitched different ideas on primary reform because we're losing the primaries. Another big primary in Texas today. I pitched my ideas on a bunch of issues, holding hearings. I can't get anything done. But somehow the bad stuff, they're all getting done. And, and, and like I said, I said to him, look, I said, I sympathize with you. I get it. I'm on the outside. It's easy for me to blow things up. I understand you're a member of Congress. I try to put myself in your shoes. But I'm not even asking you to vote against it. I said, I'm asking you to A, recognize, first of all, just let me educate you on the policy. Just at least know what you're doing. Don't lie to yourself. Know what the bill is and isn't. Know what the broader movement is. It's called the First Step Act, where it's coming from, where it's headed. It's not some faith-based initiative, and, and I love it. It's like it's like this faith-based program. So they gave one member this amendment on some faith-based program. This is what they do. So often you'll have like let's say a communist healthcare bill will come down, and the pro-life organizations, the pro- phony ones, will be like, "Okay, let's make sure it doesn't fund abortions." I'm like, "This is a healthcare issue." Like it says in the third chapter of Ecclesiastes, there's a time for everything. There's a time to fight health care when it's a health care bill. It's not about abortion. Don't make it about abortion. Oh, it's okay to have Marxist health care as long as it doesn't fund abortion. No, the time to deal with abortion is a funding bill for Planned Parenthood. Oh, and you're never there twisting the arms of the members to vote against the bill because you don't care. Same thing here. Oh, Daniel, all the pro-family uh, organizations support it. Like, but all the law enforcement organizations are opposing this. This is about law enforcement. It's not, a, it's not a family issue. Stop conflating it. It's like if Nancy Pelosi one day, you know, she will become speaker at this pace, you know, passes a bill um, to, I don't know, nationalize everyone's home, take over everyone's home. And then someone gets an amendment vote to have some faith-based initiative attached. They're like, this is a family bill. Uh, look, we have to support it. Like, what, what, what the hell does that have to do with anything? And then when it comes the appropriate time to fight family values in a defense authorization bill, when we have so much social engineering in the military, I can't, I can't find these people. Women in combat, nowhere to be seen. Cowards. Now, I want to have Steve Dace on the show. It's funny. Like, I'm always on his show. I never had him on my show. He wrote a book, We Will Not Be Fooled Again. That was his first book showing how all these groups are a bunch of frauds. And, and the proof's in the pudding. You see how miserably we failed. All, all conservative groups are basically fake Orwellian groups, but the, the social conservative ones are, are particularly Orwellian. This is what they've all latched onto now. So now we have them telling members, hey, this is good. And they're like, well, family reasoning. And, and by the way, Steve King will tell you, you know, Steve King cannot get a vote on his heartbeat bill because the pro-life organizations oppose it. You know that. And, and leadership said you know, they have veto power over legislation. The perfidy is astounding. I'm the only one dealing with this. And again, a lot of it is just a crisis of intellect. 
They're so overwhelmed. He was like, basically, like I said, our own party kills us on 50 issues. They feel like they're being like, you know, a high maintenance child by opposing one of the 50 issues. So, hey, the other 49, I got to let slide. I have to vote for them because, look, I, I can't. I can't expend my capital on this. Daniel, let's move on. Let's talk about other issues. He wanted to talk about others. I was like, I'll do, but like, I mean, do you understand what, what you know, it's not going to stop here. Oh, Tom, Tom Cotton will block it. Okay. All, all I'm trying to illustrate here is I'm giving you a case study of one issue to demonstrate why this entire party and movement is irremediably broken. It's, this is much bigger than any one person. Let's say we got our dream of the Freedom Caucus taking over the House leadership and winning the speakership, the majority leader. You're, to a large degree, you're going to have the same problems because these guys have this problem too. They don't know the issues. They're overwhelmed. They have small staff, especially on the Senate, on the House side. Notice they're counting on cotton to blow this up. They don't have the information. They don't understand it. And, and, and they just get overwhelmed because it gets back to Newton's laws of physics. You need a movement on the right as truculent, as intrepid, as indefatigable, as ubiquitous. I'm sorry to throw in all these random words, but I'm just saying that, that's how I feel. It's, it's all of the above. The, the, the sheer velocity and the mass, the critical mass that they've assembled on these issues and then co-opted all the right-leaning people, there's no way you could push back against it. And they just feel like, you know, I was crying inside of me. I'm going to bring up another issue that I think ties in. I'm sure you've seen it by now. If you haven't, let me just enlighten you. Jim Bridenstine, representative from Oklahoma, he is one of the five or so people the last decade to successfully challenge someone from the right. He knocked off a rhino in a primary. He was a dear friend of mine. I haven't spoken to him in a long time, but you know we worked together on things. I remember working together on um, the Boehner fight. You know, he was involved in the Boehner rebellion both times, and he badly wanted to become NASA director. He's just, you know, he's just genuinely into space. He just loves the issue. And it was a very tough thing. Rubio was blocking him forever. He finally got it. He became NASA director, was sworn in, what, like two weeks ago. Saw a headline. Jim Bridenstine, humans contribute a lot to global warming. And I just cried inside of me. It's like I turn around one minute and people that I worked with on issues forever and they were the best guys are in bed with others. It's like, you know, one minute you're you're kissing your wife and having a great date with her and then the next minute she's in bed with someone else. I mean, oh, this guy was working. Oh, oh yeah, we're we're all bro. Yeah, yeah, we're we're all voting for the prize crown jewel issue of Soros. Um and I said like, you know, I was telling the guy, you understand like this is why every state is now allowing felons to vote. So that when they let them out and you pass jailbreak, there's a seamless transition to Democrat voters. I was like, yeah, we got to stop this felon vote visit. I'm like, well, you're helping it. Forget about stopping it. Start by not helping it. We have our own guys helping the other side on civilization issues. But this is what happens. The institutions are too big. NASA is NASA has spent 20 years not focusing solely on using space. To harness our national security advantage, it's not just about going to Mars, you know, um, pioneering and exploration. A big part of space is really national security. 
No, it's all about global warming. So the institution's so big, you know, Brian Stein wants to be a director. He doesn't, you know, he's a nice guy. And, you know, it's kind of like, you know, you, you remember those Al-Qaeda hostage tapes where they'd get up in front of a camera and denounce the West, you know, the people, Westerners who were caught. Um, that That's what it's like. I, I ask forgiveness ahead of time for this. I know, I know it's insensitive. I know I shouldn't be using these analogies, but you know how... When I when I get an analogy in my heart and I and I just need to express myself because I'm just in so much pain today from this, I I just can't get off of it. You know, it's like watching a friend with with Lou Gehrig's disease or or, or Parkinson's. I, again, I'm a political analogy here, just gradually deteriorate. It, it's all a matter of taking one bad vote after another. And, and I said, that's when I said to this guy, I was like, I understand. I'm not even asking you to vote against this tomorrow. I'm just saying, use this to recognize that we need to do something much bigger. You need to all get in a room and say, wait a minute. If we've reached the point where we pe- feel so pressured that we can't even hold the line on, on what was just 10 years ago, a universal issue on the right to be tough on crime. What was universally regarded as not just a left issue, but an extreme left issue. Even Democrats felt they had to go along with us on this. And now we're we're to the left of where, you know, Barack Obama ran on this issue in 2008. I'm not kidding. There's something wrong. But no. It's always small. Well, no, you know, we had to defeat the farm bill because we needed to get the good vote like Really, you know, they're, they're so in the weeds and the stuff, and they, they just, what? That's the irony. It's not even like they oppose the farm bill on its own merits. It's only because they're leveraging it to get a vote on the Goodlatte bill, which I'm not even into. The I mean, the Goodlatte bill is not even an ends to itself. They just don't get it. I, I just I'm telling you all this because you're not going to hear this anywhere else. And I want to give you a sense of how even our guys are useful idiots for the other side, and it's most manifest in Trump himself. I mean, could you imagine someone like me getting into office after years of you guys hearing what you hear from me on immigration on such a deep philosophical level? And you know it's like – it's not just superficial. It's in my heart. I get into office and suddenly one minute you see me joining with, with Soros to promote – well, no, no. This is a good immigration amnesty bill. No, no, no. Th- this is different. That, that's what it's like to be me watching friends like this. And it's going to continue happening until we start a new movement and a new party. But again, and, and like I told him last night, I said, look, I, I'm not even asking you to start a new party tomorrow, gradually. But, but get as close as you can and, and Google Daniel Horowitz and Blueprint. The blueprint I put out for how to do it with you know still being on the ballot as a Republican but seceding from the conference and completely doing your own thing. They're not doing it. They're not doing it. They just don't get it. Folks, I'm the last man standing here. I'm just telling you. I don't say it to brag. I don't say it to to lament even. I say it so that you recognize where we are. The, The minute I can't be honest about where we are, assessing where we are on the issues, where we are politically and making progress or not making progress and identifying solutions or not, identifying solutions, that's the minute I need to hang it up and find a different line of work. 
And I know, I mean, the few friends I have, believe me, from scorching earth on this so much, I'm, I'm going to lose a lot of them. But it is what it is. So look, at least if I can't get people to be right on the issues, I can get you to get the right products. Folks, you need to check out Dynatrap's indoor fly light. I'm telling you guys. I just saw over the weekend, we had tons of rain this week. Lots of bugs and humidity. I looked behind the sticky part of the Dynatrap, and I saw all these bugs on it. And I was like, oh my gosh, all those would have been flying around in my house. And I'm telling you, you have this in your house all summer. Um, you know, liberals aren't the only ones that are officiously get, get in your bones and get involved in every aspect of your, of your lives. You got bugs biting you while you're sleeping, getting in your food, kids going crazy over it, your wife going crazy over it. You got to get Dynatrap. They are the leading manufacturers of outdoor mosquito and insect traps, but now they have an indoor fly light. doesn't zap. It doesn't make noise. It doesn't wake you up at night. It literally attracts them all there. You replace the sticky part once every uh, 30 days. Obviously, it, it's a dual purpose or really a triple purpose. It has a USB outlet on it, so it doesn't take up your, your outlet. It's a, it's, it's a nightlight. Really good stuff. I mean, this stuff works. So visit Dynatrap.com. That's D-Y-N-A-T-R-A-P.com. Enter promo code Daniel. Get 15% off. Dynatrap, the safe, silent, and simple solution to household insect control. That's it, folks. Look, you know, maybe I could just identify good products. I'm also, I'm looking for, might advertise soon for a good holster company. Heck, maybe I should just go shooting all day. I don't know what to do anymore. I mean, it's days like this where I just feel like hanging it up. You know, there's a lot there's a lot more to learn and see how much time we have to get to all of this. There's a lot more to learn from this anecdote to illustrate what goes on every day, why we're losing, why the conservatives in Congress are so overwhelmed you know, there's no oversight to the extent that there's a couple of them involved in the Comey Mueller thing. That's all they're involved in. It's consuming them. And that's why we have things like that. You know, you listen to Mark Levin's show last night, and he, he said very clearly he believes the entire Mueller probe is unconstitutional. It is not supported by the Constitution or statute. And I agree with him. But, you know, part of why we have this is because we have such a weak Congress, including conservatives in Congress. Which is why, by the way, we need to elect Chip Roy. Texas 21, that election is today. I'll let you know how that goes. He is the one guy who has the fortitude. He understands these issues, including jailbreak, by the way. But that's the problem. These guys don't bother to think about the issue. They don't understand that there's an entire movement behind jailbreak that they're helping and they're being a useful idiot for it. You know, one of the tactics, let's get into some of the specifics here. I want to, you know, arm you with some knowledge on this on this bill, this so-called First Step Act. Um, you know, one of the tactics they employ is that they'll say, 
They'll deny. They'll first deny. I don't know what you're talking about. This doesn't, you have to be this and this and this and jump through this hoop to be eligible. Just like remember with the Gang of Eight and all the amnesty bills. No, it's only you got to like jump up and down 10 times and, you know, pledge your allegiance to to Jesus and, uh, you know, go to church every every day for, for 10 years and pay taxes and all this stuff. And, you know, that's what they do. And then and then we start pointing out, like, uh, the bill does this. And, like, so then what they do is they, they drop a provision. Like, well, see, what's your problem? We dropped it. So shut up. There's no complaints. Vote for it. So what, what they're doing now is they're saying one of the provisions, if you remember, was to require the Bureau of Prisons to move people. And this applies retroactively to the existing prison population to move people to within 500 miles of their where they're domiciled and you could just if you just think for a minute just use your logic the the logistical security nightmare of doing that and the fact that there aren't supermax facilities in much of the country and so many people would have to be sent to to lower you know lower security facilities so because of i'm told because of tom cotton's work the White House took that provision out. And what's funny is, no one, I didn't even know this till today. These members never read the original bill. They never read, they just changed the bill when it passed out of committee. And they're voting on it today. They have no clue what they're voting on. So they took this provision out. Now you might say, well, Daniel, so now it's a good bill. Well, that doesn't address the retroactive release. That was just the, that was a totally different provision. But it's a proof to what I'm saying. It's an indictment of the other side. So, you know, first they're like, I'm making it up. And now they took it out. So that's an indictment. So you admit you had a malignant provision there. So either you're being malicious or you're so dumb that you don't understand the consequences of the issue. Either way, we need introspection on this bill. So meaning if I say, if I I have like, you know, eight bullet points in that piece, eight bullet points. So say, well, one of them doesn't apply. We took it out. (laughs) <laughs> that that's not a refutation to what I'm saying. That in, it's indictment of your your thing. That means I was right, and now there's they're there to what I'm saying, and now we better examine the other provisions before we vote on this. It's a couple of things to say here. Couple of things. This bill's version of home confinement. It is so broad. It doesn't define it. So it allows them to use their time credits to leave their home for all sorts of, quote, productive activities. You know, you could just imagine the type of criminals that will have substantial freedom to move around in your neighborhood. Also, there's a list of um, another thing that's important. There's a list of categories of inmates who cannot use the time credits. Now, most of these things they loaded up with the most random provisions. Like you would say, it should be very broad. You know, anyone convicted of a violent crime, um, you know, heroin trafficking. Like, let's say you want to go lenient on cocaine, but say at least heroin, you know. No, it's like anyone convicted of trying to assassinate a Supreme Court member, anyone engaged in biological warfare. I'm not kidding. Those are the provisions in there. It's, 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 it's literally a clown show. So there's a, per- so most notable in the bill is that it does not allow deportable aliens to use the time credits. Okay? So it doesn't allow deportable aliens to use it. But now I see there's – the Center for Immigration Studies did an analysis of the bill 
Dan Cadman, and they're, they're real experts on this part of it. You know, this I I wasn't confident enough, so I just took it out of my bullet points. The immigration provision, because you know, I I don't want to overstate my case. I could understate it and then find out later it's even worse than I thought. It turns out there's a number of exceptions where criminal aliens, especially ones that were you know had DUIs, things like that, will be allowed to use these so-called recidivism leniency programs. They will be eligible, and that's the whole fraud. They're complaining about like you know overpopulation in the prison. When 32% of prisoners are criminal aliens. I'm not just trying to distract and make this an immigration like issue. Like, oh, like, you know, it's going to be a problem with immigration. Well, it'll be like, Daniel, you know, we're talking about general criminal justice. Don't make this about immigration. When you're talking about federal prison, which any federal legislation is, that's what it is, they comprise 32% and 44% of last year's criminal convictions. That's the 800-pound gorilla in the room. So, If you're going to do this, if you care about immigration like Trump says he does, and you care about overcrowding, kill two birds with one stone. Let's first have a bill to just at least deport other countries' criminals. Why are they in our prisons? You know, maybe except for El Chapo and some of the ones that, you know, there's national security concerns. You don't want to let them go in Mexico. Mexico's prisons are a joke. But a lot of these guys, let that just deport them. Deport them. Where's that priority? Trump should say, I am not doing anything for you guys signing any bill until you send a bill to my desk calling for expedited deportation of all criminal aliens. No, nothing. That in itself exposes the hypocrisy of jailbreak. You want to do jailbreak? I'll, I'll break out of jail these guys. These shouldn't be, we shouldn't be housing and pay. Oh, you know, they're so into saving money. You know, they try to couch it in a conservative argument. Hey, you know, the Soros comes and say, hey, conservatives, you want to save money? You guys all want to save money, right? I love it. The one time they get religious, none of them want to oppose the farm bill on its on the fiscal merits. But it's like, you want to save money on, on, on letting people out of prison? Yeah, we could save money by not having a military either. But not having border patrol. It's unbelievable. But anyway, drug trafficking offenses are absolutely eligible for all of the benefits under this bill. When the president said he wants to um, make it tougher. So, by the way, so anyway, this is a classic uh, subterfuge. So, it puts in their exception. They're not eligible. They're eligible unless the trafficker is also convicted of wrongful death as a result of the drug trafficking. Okay, I got news for you. Nobody is ever convicted of that. Part of... See, part of what people don't understand is why the drug laws are so important is because the reality is, as you guys know, for every one person you could show me that you might believe doesn't belong in prison but is in prison, I could show you 10 people that are murderers that belong in prison and are let out. It is so hard to land a conviction. Part of what happened with the drug crimes is that you know, all they had to do was just easily show the bank wiring. And they show the transaction, you're done. And we just hit you on that. You'd be like, well, it's, I don't know, it's some sort of business. You know, what do I care about drugs? Eh." But it kills people. It's killing tens of thousands of people. But that was the beauty that, you know, you didn't have to land a conviction on proving that they killed someone with it. If you make them do it, it's so hard to prove that. None of them are in there based on that. Even though they've done that, clearly, people have died. So, you know, that's going to apply to nobody. All of them will be eligible for this. 
So you got that. It's also an interesting thing when it comes to costs. So they're saying, this, this is great. We, we let them out. I have sources in the Bureau of Prisons. You have to understand, everyone in the these guys oppose this, the Justice Department, but they're in a tough position because Trump, who's the president, supports it. But by the way, isn't it funny how whenever the president supports a conservative thing, the deep state liberals have no problem fighting it. But somehow when he supports a liberal thing, the conservatives in the administration feel stifled. Again, another example of how everything is a one-way street and a dead end for conservatives. We get all the liabilities, but none of the benefits. So when it comes to costs, I was told that where is um, housing someone in Bureau of Prison Custody, meaning in a federal penitentiary, cost $33 is the marginal cost? I guess, um, per day. The cost of home confinement is $44, and the cost of a halfway house is $88. It's the exact op- opposite. Um, when you multiply these daily costs by th- tens of thousands of in- inmates by an extended period of years, I mean, that's going to eat up a big part of the budget. And, and the, the reason is simple, because it just, from a, from a pure institutional standpoint, the prisons are institutions. They're fixed costs. Here, you're going to have to hire all sorts of new stuff to make that work, or it won't work, and it will be just a free-for-all, meaning either way, they're wrong. Either way, you know, like, no, Daniel, we're going to monitor them. No, no, no. Oh, So then, I mean, the costs are going to be very prohibitive, you know, because, again, you're, you're, you have to set up a prison dynamic on a non-prison environment. I mean, it's, it's pure common sense. You're going to have all these upfront new costs to build this entire new system. Not to mention the fact, as I mentioned on my first episode talking about this bill, the cost of crimes are terrible. The, 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 the crime you're going to have, the uncompensated crime. And by the way, there's only been one major study on recidivism done by the U.S. Sentencing Commission. It, it only came out two years ago, but it was done based on observing – People let out from 2005 to 2009 on a state level. And yes, notice we've been doing jailbreak for 13, 14 years since the mid-2000s. We're not at the peak prison population, prison crisis, incarceration crisis that has been reversed completely. Now, Now, even if you believe that, the pendulum has swung too far the other way. But anyway, according to the study, 76.7% of state offenders within five years go out to offend. Okay? That's what it is. That's what they found with the jailbreak programs. But here we are. Here we are. I, I, I don't know. I'm, I, I mean, I'm, I'm just at a loss of words. I don't know what to do any longer. If you would have told me one issue that I thought, look, with Trump being president, that's done, it was jailbreak. And now that that's done. And you know, the problem is the only one in the administration who is um, pushing back is Jeff Sessions. And as you know, I mean, he's got no 
clout with the president anymore, so he doesn't care what he thinks. So you got Mark Short, you got Mulvaney there, you know, big libertarian jailbreak guy. Um, pretty much everyone else in the cabinet has bought onto this. And this is it. So now, now it, you know, they're going to pass it today. It's going to head to the Senate, and it all hinges on Tom Cotton. Hopefully, Ted Cruz will come out against it. But that's about it. Maybe John Kennedy from Louisiana. I don't know what to tell you guys, but I want you to hear this truth. There's a, there's a lot of other things going on. I myself need to catch up from you know being out you know just offline over the weekend. But this is one issue I do know what's going on, and I wanted to give this over to you today. But folks, this is why we lose. This is why we always lose. We always lose. Because we have our own people promoting the most important priorities of the left, but telling us, no, Daniel, this is really conservative. So, if the only point to electing conservatives and having a conservative movement is to tell us that the urine being passed on our leg is really water, why have it? Why do we need such a movement? Sorry to end off on, on, on a bad note here, um, but <laughs> this is what happens when you don't have a united movement that gets around the table and says, look, what we're all doing is not working. We need to we need to think bigger. It's just each one gets picked off after another. And you know what? A lot of it is groupthink. All these colleagues of mine supporting this that never would have dreamt of supporting this three years ago. It's all groupthink. The proof, the data on prison population and crime, if anything, has gotten worse for this side. Of the argument. No reason suddenly they should be supporting it. It's all group think. It's also group money that helps a lot when all the people with the money are, are behind are behind this. You know, when I have even people that are law and order conservatives that get funding from people supporting jailbreak, they're like, Daniel, you're right, but I can't speak out. Well, you know what? I will be that voice. If I have to be the only one speaking to this, so be it. But I will be that voice. You could always count on me. I will not succumb to groupthink. You know, you might disagree with me. Maybe you'll disagree with my conclusions. But the, but this definitely warrants very careful study. And the fact that this is being rushed over and beyond any other priority should tell you everything you need to know. We have a lot more. We're going to have good guests on hopefully within the, the next week. Lots of issues, candidates. Let me know who you want who, or who you want to see on this show. Support our sponsors as always. Dinah Trap for this show. We're going to have others. This is the only way we could keep speaking the truth. God bless you all. Thanks so much. This has been another episode of The Conservative Conscience. 